are entering the Freedom Hut. Obama is back on the campaign trail. The Democrats think he's their secret weapon, but uh uh-oh, guess who steps in to neutralize him right away? The actual president of the United States, Donald Trump. We'll talk about how this clash of the titans went down today, and also Papadopoulos has been sentenced. Even bigger joke than we thought when you look at the Russia collusion and delusion. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. And he said, what do you think of President Obama's speech? And I said, I'm sorry, I watched it, but... I fell asleep. I found he's very good. Very good for sleeping. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. President Trump responding today after we had a, uh, a, a long dose of Obamaism, everybody. Remember that? Remember when we used to have to sit there and, so I'm going to sit here. I'm going to read off a prompter. I'm going to talk to you like this. And I'm going to say things. There are going to be a lot of straw men. I'm going to destroy the straw men. But you have to say that I'm brilliant. Because if you don't say I'm brilliant, the media is going to attack you. And they're going to say that you're terrible. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, Obama's speech is one thing I just I don't miss at all. I, I, there's not one day has passed. I'm like, you know what I could really use? An Obama speech. And it was a reminder today that Obama was effective at giving speeches to liberals that adored Obama. But, you know, once you once you get a little a little blast in the past, you remember what it was like. It was terrible all the time, you know, just creating these straw men, never really engaging in the other side, all kinds of bad faith, saying things that just aren't true and just such a such a a condescension, a constant condescension uh, across party lines. And it's just not something we miss. And here's the big thing that I took away from today. We're going to, by the way, we're going to dig into what Obama said, because he's now supposed to be. I mean, look, the folks, we're in the last leg here before the midterms. The, the House and the Senate are in play. I, you know, it could go either way with both of them. People are saying the House is a done deal for the Democrats, although I don't think that's the case. But this is important stuff, and they've brought out Obama because they obviously think that Obama is their secret weapon. You know, they know that maybe having, hello, I want you to vote. Do you like my pantsuit? They realize that that may not get it done. That Hillary Clinton may not be the best possible option as brand ambassador for the Democratic Party. But Barack, Barack is smooth. Barack is, uh, is, is compelling in a certain way. You know, he's, He's also a winner. You got you look, look, let's not let's not delude ourselves. You won twice. Hillary's a loser. <laughs> okay? Barack's a winner. So, you know, but but they bring him out and they're assuming that he can help reconstitute the coalition that voted for him, but they got some problems. One is a problem of history and the other is a problem that's just come along. Let me first start with the problem of history here. Over 8 years Obama was very successful at pushing himself. 
What he was not very successful at doing was promoting the Democratic Party and helping the Democrats from whether we're talking about congressional seats. Uh, obviously, the Senate was lost to the Republicans during his tenure, but the real damage was done to the state parties where you have Republican state assemblies and Republican governors just running the table against Obama uh, for eight years, which is pretty astonishing. I mean, he by the time Obama left, left office across all different elected offices, Democrats were in the weakest position they had been in, I think, in 100 years, which is really saying something. So that's the problem of history that Obama has. He has not been successful at pushing other candidates. And then he's got another problem of the present. One that we haven't really seen yet until now. Trump versus Obama is something that I don't think Democrats really want to play out even in a media sense. Uh, Now, what I mean by that is of course, the left is going, you know, the Democrats, they all, oh, you know, Obama it was scandal free and he was so, you know, so eloquent and and decent. And then all that, you know, they, they've come. They're completely Obama's rewriting his own history. Oh, we'll get into this and I'll, I'll give you a nice dose of truth as we go through it. But Trump won't play by the rules that constrained Mitt Romney. And yes, the rules that constrained John McCain which was that you you can't really go after Obama. You know, you you can't make fun of him. Mitt Romney, John McCain, they never made fun of Obama. Never. Oh, my gosh. Make fun of Obama? How could you? And you all know that would have been the reaction, right? But things have changed now. We're in a different political climate. We have a different president. He will... Mock Obama, and I will, I will tell you something. One thing about Obama that was very apparent was that uh, he has no self of humor about, uh, a sense of humor, rather, about himself. You know, he, he very uh, pointedly once told a bunch of reporters like that they, he was very sensitive, they couldn't make any, because, you know, when they do these political cartoons, they would show his ears, and he was very sensitive about his ears. Meanwhile, with Trump, they're making fun of, you know, they're making fun of Trump's, his, you know, they say he's orange and he's fat and they, they you know, make fun of his genitalia and his hands. I mean, you know, they completely they try to humiliate Trump and it doesn't really work. It doesn't matter. Obama's never been exposed to that. He's never been on a big stage where somebody else can actually call him out and make fun of him. To ridicule him. And I think the Democrats don't realize what they're in for here. The same way that uh, that Hillary became crooked Hillary and Trump just had her number the whole time and knew exactly where to go with Hillary and exactly how to how to position himself against her. If they're really going to use Obama as the rallying cry of the Democrats and if he's going to be the primary surrogate out there, which I would also note is. I think a little, uh, you know, it's it's not I'm not it's not dishonorable, but it's we we would like it if presidents didn't leave office and then still act like they're the president or still act like they're the the leader of the of the party that you know that that's that's there's a message there that's not one that we want in this country right we we don't want 
a, a perpetual president. We don't want somebody that's always kind of at the head of government, whether they're officially there or not. You know, George W. Bush stepped aside. Uh, that was the precedent that he had. Now you could say that that doesn't mean that everybody else has to do it, but I, I think there's a wisdom in that. And clearly Obama has thrown that way out the window. But they think that Obama, the left thinks that Obama's invincible as a political figure. I think you got your first segment, your first uh, taste today of what would happen if you really had Trump and Obama go head to head. And this is one of the reasons why I think people are so, so, so many of us, myself included, are, are, are so enthusiastic about Trump is because we're sick of it. We're sick of the other side, whether it's Obama or Hillary or anybody. We're sick of them being able to say any, throw out any slander they want, throw out any, uh, you know, any personal attack, you know, and any mockery that they feel like they can get away with, which is basically anything. And our guy always sits there like, well, you know, I'm a Boy Scout and I don't really want to say anything mean. And, you know, no, 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 no more of that. You know, you, you, you want to play rough? We've got somebody, politically speaking, that will also play rough. Obama's never been subjected to that. Think about who, think about who ran against him, folks, politically. Hillary, in the primary, and he beat her, of course, you know, she, they could go after him, but there were some limits there. Hillary wasn't. Hillary had some red lines when it came to going after Obama. She knew she was running. Look, she was running against the first black president uh, if he beat her in the primary. I mean, there were sensitivities there that within her own party, she I'm not saying she totally respected them, but she had to be aware of them. John McCain, uh, you know, has the, had this whole approach of re really the most important thing to John McCain was what the New York Times editorial board thought of him when all was said and done uh, in the, in that campaign, you know, that, that was how, you know, that was what he really cared about. And Mitt Romney is just not a rough and tumble guy. So who has ever been up there with similar, uh, you know, with, with uh, the, the same level of political firepower, you know, who, who's been up there with a the megaphone to match Obama's, who will really call him out? The answer is, folks, it's never happened before. And I had assumed that Obama would kind of play the elder statesman of the Democratic Party, that he would, you know, play kingmaker behind the scenes, do media stuff. He's obviously going to be, he's already fabulously wealthy, but he's going to be worth, you watch, Obama's going to be worth a billion dollars. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's probably worth a hundred million right now. He'll be worth a billion dollars. Yeah, just give it some time. Uh, because people throw money at him to do everything and anything. Oh, I would note that, you know, he was going to give a speech in Denmark. I think it was that they, uh, they were going to, um, you know, they, they, Obama's speech today was in the I think he was going to have a speech in Denmark and, and he threatened to pull out of the speech if they made his contract public. I really want to see what that speech contract is like and how much, you know, Obama's getting paid and all this other stuff. Anyway, um, this is. This is kind of like, folks, you know, do you really want to put your prize fighter in the ring with somebody when, you know, when, when you, you think that, you know, Obama's got an undefeated record. And if they put him out there on the public stage, look, he's never going to get to run a campaign against Trump. And so we're never going to see that. But in the, cam in, in the campaign of public opinion, I don't think this is going to go the way the left thinks it is. 
Trump is is a is a scrapper straight up. He's a he's a puncher. He's a slugger, and they want to keep their undefeated prize fighter Obama. The Democrats should keep him out of this. Don't you know? Because it's the myth of Obama's invincibility is going to go away very quickly if he starts tangling publicly with Trump. That's my prediction, and I don't think the left because look they've missed they've they've underestimated misunderestimated borrow from uh, Bush. They've underestimated Trump at every step of the game, at every at every juncture. So we can't put it past them to do the same thing here. And that that's my that's my sense after this. Wow. They really they really don't understand that, you know, the the Obama era rules are gone now. Trump doesn't have to say Obama's the smartest person who have ever lived. Trump doesn't have to say that Obama's the most brilliant, elegant, ethical amazing demigod to have ever run for America, you know, to ever been in American office or run for an American office. He doesn't have to say that. He doesn't care. He's not playing by those rules. Uh, Obama's not ready for that. And now, look, I, I know there's a lot of other stuff that's going to get, that's already in the mix for the midterms. And, you know, who knows, this may be the one and only Obama speech we see, although I doubt that. Uh, and if I were advising the Democrats, I'd say keep these races local, and try to fool, you know, if I were advising Democrats, I'd be like, try to convince as many voters as possible that you're not really Democrats and get people to vote for you. And then, of course, you know, do whatever Nancy Pelosi says. Uh, what you don't want is a reminder of what we went through for eight years. I, you know, you, you got look, there's there's a there's a lot here, folks. We're going to we're going to we're going to definitely work through this one together. Uh, 844-900-2825-844-900 buck. It's like a it's like a tropical storm here in D.C. The swamp is getting getting clobbered with some kind of a storm around me. So hopefully we the power in the building stays on. But anyway, uh, it's going to be good, folks. Got a great show today. Stay with me. Two hundred one thousand jobs added last month. It's a big number, a positive sign. Christy Romans, our chief business correspondent, here with me. Look, it keeps getting better yep. and better and better. Yep. Well, this is better than economists thought. It's pretty much in line with what we've seen all year. You've got 201,000 net new jobs. And when you look at the, the trend, you know, they always say the trend is, is your friend here. And sure. this shows more than 200,000 jobs on average uh, for most of the year. That means the unemployment rate is still stuck there at that 3.9%. That is a generational low. That is what many economists consider full employment. You have 6 million job openings today in America, 6 million job openings. Wow. And, and what you hear from companies is they, they, they don't have the skilled workers to fill them. So there's sort of the disconnect. Disconnect, yeah. The, the, here's the disconnect, folks, is that we got the media trying to say that Trump is a Kremlin puppet and that he's crazy and should be removed from office on mental fitness grounds. Meanwhile, they have to run these reports like, yeah, it's better than all the economists thought. And it's like the best it's been in a generation and the economy is like completely booming and it's weird. Like things keep just getting better and better in this country. Like, I don't understand like why. Well, it begins with a T and ends with the P. They don't want to hear it, though. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. I mean, like, folks, you know, it's funny that that Obama comes out today 
to give a speech, and 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 of course he 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 tried to uh to take some he tried to take credit for the current economy. So he's been out of office almost two years, and he's like, yeah, it's because of me, right? Sure. Um, meanwhile, when you uh when you look at what's happened over the last year in particular. Uh, and what the tax cuts have done and what how businesses it's businesses aren't saying, you know, we've been feeling good for years and this is an up. They're saying, wow, what a relief. Things have gotten so much better, almost like something really important changed about uh, 18 months ago or so. Almost like that. I guess more now it's more like a I don't know what the months are, but, you know. That's that's, I think, something that we all need to remember here, folks. Obama comes out. We were being told you can go back and see in the end of the Obama administration, there were editorials about how America should just expect low, slow, weak economic growth for the foreseeable future. Obama's economy was lower your expectations. That was the message. Lower your expectations and you're not paying your fair share and you're not doing enough for the poor and you have uh you know way too much that's been given to you by virtue of the fact that you're working and there are a lot of people that don't work and they need more stuff i mean it's just it was bad 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 and now we're getting a, a little reminder of that folks anybody here anybody listening to this show right now think that they would be better off if Obama was running the economy. I mean, maybe there are a couple of Democrats right now listening who think that. I know we have some some liberals who listen to the show. Probably even have some hardcore leftists who listen to the show. They're like, I don't understand. How does this guy know so much? Uh, but the Trump economy is irrefutable right now. And going into a midterm election where that is a that is a verifiable fact that the economy is in an irrefutably good, strong uh, and growing position should mean that the American people reward the party in power for doing such a good job. On all aspects of government to us that matter, things are actually going quite well. Um, but Obama doesn't think so. I want to. I want to take a little bit of a of a tour through Obama's speech today, just because of the rewriting of history that went on there. Then we'll talk about Papadopoulos. He got sentenced today, and the kind of uh, last bit of the Kavanaugh hearing. Good news is, I think Kavanaugh's getting through, folks. It's a done deal at this point. All that's coming up. Stay with me. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. It should not be Democratic or Republican. It should not be a partisan issue. To say that we do not pressure the Attorney General or the FBI to use the criminal justice system as a cudgel to punish our political opponents. (laughs) Or to explicitly call on the Attorney General to protect members of our own party from prosecution because an election happens to be coming up. I'm not making that up. That's not hypothetical. It shouldn't be Democratic or Republican to say that we don't threaten the freedom of the press because they say things or publish stories we don't like. 
Oh, boy, there's so much here, folks. Obama's back. I don't think it's going to have the intended effect. I don't think Democrats really know what uh, what this is going to mean for them if they keep going in this direction. We're in a different world now. We're in a post-Obama political environment. The rules have changed. A few things. First off, when he said, instead of prosecution, persecution of people in Trump's party, if there is such a thing as a Freudian slip, that certainly felt like one, because they are being persecuted. The Russia collusion investigation is persecution. Uh, and I will talk to you about the Papadopoulos sentencing. That that will be probably in the next hour, but we'll, we'll get to that. All these liberals, oh, his sentence isn't, isn't severe enough. That's right, because anybody who's near Trump should just have their life ruined. That's their... That's the way that we're supposed to deal with this. And any, anybody who's ever been in, you know, been in the same room as Trump should there should be no sympathy, no mercy, no decency extended to them. That's the way the Democrats want it. But this this idea that that Trump is interfering, you know, obstructing in DOJ in ways that Obama never would. That's interesting because I seem to remember I seem to recall that Hillary Clinton was under investigation by Loretta Lynch, Attorney General of the United States at the time, worked for Barack Obama, and Barack Obama decided Barack Obama decided that he would uh, share his thoughts rather freely on the issue of Hillary's emails. Remember, Hillary shared special access program data on an unclassified server. This is some of the most sensitive stuff the U.S. government has, folks. She just had it on her computer. Just, you know, whoopsie. She had over 100 classified emails on her system. She did this because she was trying to evade the requirements under regulation to uh, maintain her emails for public disclosure. She was trying to maintain control of her record. And I've always upheld that it's because she was worried that, you know, there'd be one. All it takes is one person to slip up and say, oh, you know, We've got that big Clinton Foundation donor. You got to take a meeting with her at the State Department now. All it takes is one email like that and the whole game would be up. So she wanted to control all the emails because she knows that if people actually knew what she was doing, still running the Clinton Foundation or involved with the Clinton Foundation while she's secretary of state, it would be obvious that it's a giant slush fund and she was selling access and selling her office. That's why she had the private email server, folks. That is why. But Obama was very willing on numerous occasions to weigh in on this. Here's what he had to say about Hillary's emails. Play it. Hillary Clinton was an outstanding secretary of state. She would never intentionally put uh, America in any kind of jeopardy. And what I also know, because I handle a lot of classified information, uh, is that there are, there's classified and then there's classified. I continue to believe that she has not jeopardized America's national security. Now, what I've also said is that, and she's acknowledged, that there's, there's a, a carelessness in terms of managing emails that she has owned and she recognizes. But I, but I also think it is important to keep this in perspective. Folks, that's essentially the, the template of what Comey ended up saying Obama gave marching orders to the Department of Justice and the FBI on TV about Hillary's emails. 
didn't 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 threaten national security. Classified, classified, you know, but, you know, there was a bit of carelessness, extremely careless. That's what Comey said. That's exactly what Obama said. Oh, you mean that this is almost like the fix was in? Yeah, it was. And and this this other notion, by the way, of classified, classified, special access program data, SAP, is very classified. And she had that on her emails. So she's just, this is a fantasy. And and liberals keep saying this, keep saying, oh, and look at what Trump is doing, the DOJ. No, I'm sorry. We're not going to play this game anymore where they act like Obama was beyond reproach when it came to the DOJ. Far from it. And on press freedom, I'm about to have a buck slap myself moment here. You've got to be kidding me. On press freedom, Obama was the worst president since FDR, probably. I mean, he's the worst president we've seen in 100 years. Here's what he said about his uh, about about him versus Trump in terms of the press. And here's what he said about Fox News. Play it, John. I complained plenty about Fox News. But you never heard me threaten to shut them down or call them enemies of the people. It shouldn't be Democratic or Republican to say we don't target certain groups of people based on what they look like or how they pray. We are Americans. Okay, uh, yeah, he didn't say shut them down per se, but he did take their phone records. He did say that Fox News was not a real news organization. He did claim that Rush Limbaugh and others were dividing the country and were dangerous to the country or harmful to the country, at least. He did. I mean, you know, folks, when you start to drill down to this, you see, you know, Obama had his attorney general uh, try to threaten reporters to give up their sources, listed a Fox News reporter. Oh, wow. Not a big shock there. Listed a Fox News reporter as an unindicted co-conspirator in a in an Espionage Act indictment. And used the Espionage Act more than every presidency before him combined. And the press were a bunch of wimps on it. Oh, I know. They wrote a couple of editorials. Oh, we're very, we're very troubled by this. And this raises concerning, concerning questions about, well, what will a future administration do now that this precedent has been set by Obama? A future administration? What's the Obama administration doing? The press debased themselves. The press gave Obama one long eight-year back rub. It was an embarrassment. That's why we don't need to sit around and hear from them now about, oh, but, you know, the press, and we're the guardians, and we're the ones that are speaking truth to power and everything. They didn't speak truth to power. They gave power a foot massage for eight years. That's what they did. Now they want to be, you know, oh, yeah, we're, we're all about the guardians of the Republic. We're all about just the facts and making sure that, you know, there's accountability in government. It's just a joke, folks. Uh, It really is. But I mean, Obama on Obama has zero grounds to speak about what Trump says about the press. In my opinion, zero ground. 
because he took actions against the press. Obama just says that, you know, Acosta's a clown. And he's right. I'm sorry. Trump says Acosta's a clown, not Obama. Trump says Acosta's a clown, and he's right. That's it. I mean, you know, he says that CNN's fake news. A lot of fake news with CNN. It happens a lot. It's a problem. They've got a real problem over there. Trump calls it out. Then you also just get into some other stuff that Obama says where you say to yourself, does he think this is smart? Because what he's saying is not smart. Play 16. We know that climate change isn't just coming. It is here. So Democrats aren't just running on good old ideas like increasing gas mileage in our cars, which I did and which Republicans are trying to reverse, but on good new ideas like putting a price on carbon pollution. We know that in a smaller, more connected world, we can't just put technology back in a box. We can't just put walls up all around America. Walls don't keep out threats like terrorism or disease. Wrong. Walls do keep out threats like terrorism and disease. Ever been to a quarantine area? There are walls to prevent the spread of disease. I mean, walls don't keep out terrorists. Speak to the Israelis about that. Pretty sure it keeps out a lot of terrorists. But, you know, Obama's so used to everyone just saying everything he says is brilliant, everything he says is great, that I I do think that he's really, there's really a disconnect. And when he's not the, you know, he's not the president anymore. He's just another guy with an opinion. And his opinions are not very well informed. His opinions are not particularly astute. He also talked about, uh, I mean, you know what? I want to get into something because one of the things that really frustrated me is that everything that Republicans said about Obama's policies and their trajectory, especially on health care, was true. And we have confirmation of that now. And we were right. And I do want to take a moment for us to because I, I remember I was part of the battles back in 2011, 2012 over Obamacare and in the midterms. And and there was so much stuff that was said by the same media, by the way, uh, that now is pretending that they want to be, you know, they want to be really big, serious journalists. So much stuff was said that was obviously false, but they didn't care. I want to address that um, and a bit more of this when we come back. But I mean, o- Obama really reminding us all why we voted for Trump. That's what today was. Wow. Great reminder. Thank you, former President Obama. Why we have the president we do now. A lot of it is because of the guy who was giving a speech today. We'll be right back. They're not doing us a service by actively promoting 90% of the crazy stuff that's coming out of this White House and then saying, don't worry, we're preventing the other 10%. That's not how things are supposed to work. This is not normal. So these are extraordinary times. And they're dangerous times. But here's the good news. In two months, we have the chance not the certainty, but the chance to restore some semblance of sanity to our politics. What's the insanity? Because I think the insanity is a Russia collusion investigation that has been a politicized witch hunt from the beginning. I think it is the FBI 
meeting with uh, and using opposition research and using journalists as cutouts to construe and, and fabricate a narrative to take down a political candidate during a presidential campaign in this country. I think that's insane. So how are they going to restore sanity by putting the, the people that that have been pushing for that and advocating that back into power? I need I need some help with that. I need someone to explain that one to me. Although, don't ever say explain it to me when you're talking about Obama, because he loves to explain it to you. I'll tell you everything. He knows so much. He's so smart. So much smarter than you. You don't know anything. Ah, oh, man. And uh, then he also, he, he, he wants to, he wants to mobilize the never Trumpers, of course. Not a surprise, but he wants to mobilize never Trumpers. Play uh, 15. So maintaining some phony version of civility. That seems to be, by the way, the definition of civility offered by too many uh, congressional Republicans right now. We will be polite so long as we get 100% of what we want and you don't call us out on the various ways that we're sticking it to people. And we'll click our tongues and issue vague statements of disappointment when the president does something outrageous, but we won't really actually do anything about it. That's not civility. That's abdicating your responsibilities. But again, I digress. Man, that sounds I, I say that sometimes I got to stop saying again. I digress. Uh, forget about civil. Let's talk about something else. Servile, as in the way the Democrats were for all of Obama's time in office. They did whatever he wanted them to do. They were on board with Obama all the time, every time. Obama never had to deal with any opposition from within his own party. This is one of these things I tell you, folks, we have lessons to learn from the other side. One of the lessons Democrats stick together all the time, all the way. We have to deal with the well, you know, I think yeah, I was if, if, if Rubio won, I would have been press secretary. So now I don't like Trump. A lot of babies, a lot of babies in the Republican Party who are unwilling to see the greater good play the long game and play the long term. You know, we don't need to be constantly reminded by by uh, Republican strategists who would have been in the White House if a different Republican had won that, you know, sometimes Trump uses vulgar language or that sometimes Trump, you know, says something that we, we don't think is great or whatever. But then again, Trump is saying things that he actually thinks Obama was saying what he thought he should say under the circumstances to benefit whatever he was trying to do. That's a different thing. Obama wasn't always telling you what he thinks. Obama was telling you. Obama was saying things so that people would go, wow, Obama's so brilliant and so wonderful. And also so that he could push through an agenda. But he wasn't being honest about what that agenda was. Medicare for all folks. He's calling that a good idea now. I remember back in 2012 when to say that Obama wanted Medicare for all was a slander. It was terrible. How could you? He doesn't want that. It's a free market system. He's borrowing from Mitt Romney. And all the Republicans like me were saying, no, no, no. It's a Trojan horse, folks. They're, they're going to, this is the camel's nose in the tent. They, they want to get health care that's single payer. And how could, you know, that's terrible. That's a lie. That's not fair. Obama would never do that. You're calling him a socialist. Now Obama's like, yeah, single payer is a good idea. We should do that. Because Obama always thought single payer was a good idea. It was always the plan. Obamacare was set up to fail, but it was set up to create a structure that could be built 
on top of with single payer. And that's what he's now openly saying. Some of us saw this coming. Some of us are not surprised at all by this. It's in fact what we predicted, myself included. But I like that Obama's out there reminding us of why we voted for Trump. So that's good news. Let's speak about what Trump has to say. That's coming up next. I know you, you've, you've stuck through a lot of Obama this hour. I promise you. We got, we got some Trump stuff. Papadopoulos got sentenced. That and much more coming up. If you ever found yourself wincing at the weak sauce taste of coffee from one of those left-leaning commie corporate brands, you probably thought, I wish they spent less time on meaningless bias training, bathroom policy reform, and other things that defy common sense. And more time on their coffee. Folks, that's why you need Black Rifle Coffee. Every coffee drinker listening to this show needs to drink Black Rifle. It is my coffee of choice. I get it delivered every month. I've got it at the office. I've got it at home. I'm making Black Rifle converts. I've got a girl in my office who goes, I want the coffee with the guns on it. And I'm like, you don't even like guns, but you love this coffee. She goes, yes, it's the best. All right, check it out for yourself. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Receive 15% off your order. Great deal, folks. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. Again, one more time. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Order some for yourself. And you know what? Set up to have it delivered every month. Join the coffee club. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I'll be the only president in history. They'll say, what a job he's done. By the way, we're impeaching him. Today's Democrat Party is held hostage by haters, absolute haters, left-wing haters, angry mobs, deep state radicals, and their fake news allies. Those people are the best. They're the best allies. The last time Democrats were in power, they cut Medicare by more than $700 billion dollars to pay for the scandalous Obamacare. Now Democrats want to steal trillions of dollars from Medicare. They're going to ruin your Medicare, watch. They want to turn America into Venezuela. I don't think so. (laughs) Democrats would destroy Medicare with Medicare for all. You heard that, Medicare for all. Until they run out of money, which will be like uh, in the third day. (laughs) And then it'll be Medicare for none. Nobody does messaging the way Trump does messaging. That much is for sure. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. I I, got to say, you know, the, the, the president really, I felt like he was back into his, really back into his usual sweet spot last night. Uh, he, he's just, his ability to do live performance is incredible. And I just mean that as somebody who's in the media business. He is amazing. He is a, he is a true phenomenon. And, and the fact that uh, he's out there making this case, the American people, I think, gives us some hope that we may keep the, uh, keep the House. And, you know, that doesn't solve all of our problems, folks. I'm still, I've got frustrations. You know, the, the wall is not being built. And, you know, I know Trump is, look, he's trying to sell us on that the wall will be built. And, you know, you got to give him time, right? He's, 
you know, Trump has uh, there's a there's a bit of a showman in him, and of course a bit a lot of a salesman. In him. Well, uh, actually, a lot of both, a lot of showman and a lot of salesman. Uh, so we understand that when he says, you know, the wall is being built. Well, not really, but kind of. He, I, I do think he wants to get construction on it started, though, and I think that that would be a, a very good thing for the country. Um, but the notion of the Democrats destroying the economy, people should be told this. I mean, this should be something that we're hearing about because it's true. If we allow Democrats back in charge of even just the House, it's not just that their ideas are bad. What they're going to do is stop the good ideas. They don't care that the economy is doing so well. In fact, it bothers them. It angers them. They don't want the continuation of what's working. They want to go back to where they get to make the decisions. They're in charge that people will suffer that more people will struggle to pay their bills, that the, there'll be more people looking for work. And you know, th- that doesn't matter to them because that's all a fine price to pay to having the right kind of people in charge, in their opinions. That's the progressive mentality. It, it, the results don't matter. They are dedicated to the idea that they're the people who should be in charge. That's, that's a, a fundamental characteristic of a progressive. They think that they're the ones and the only ones. And they do all this moral posturing about how much they care about the poor, how much they care about minorities. All this stuff is, is just self-justifying for them as to why they should be the ones in power. And then, of course, Trump did turn his ire to the media, which I always, always enjoy. Play seven and eight, John. You know, when I won the election... The New York Times, every, all their subscribers were leaving. And when I'm ultimately no longer president in hopefully about six and a half years from now, um, the New York Times will go out of business. All of them will be out of business. CNN will be out of business. They're almost out of business now if you look at their ratings. They're close to out of business. But they'll be out of business. But the New York Times, you remember, it's very famous. Nobody's ever seen it before. Maybe never done before. They apologized for their bad coverage of me. They apologized to their subscribers because after I won, everyone said, what the hell happened? What happened? We're reading this piece of garbage and the guy that they kill every day, he won. So they wrote, does anybody remember? There was a very big story. They wrote, an apology to their subscribers to stop the flow of people leaving and giving up their subscription to the New York Times. New York Times still uh, feeling pretty haughty about its decision to publicize that anonymous editorial from the uh, hashtag resistance inside of the administration. You know, one of the reasons I think, folks, that they've moved to this notion of the 25th Amendment is now now we know that the deep state is real, which is going to embolden all of us. And I shouldn't say we know we've always known. Now it's confirmed. Now we have we have clear smoking gun evidence of a deep state by the deep state's own hand, no less. And the media collusion with that deep state to undermine the Trump administration. So. There is no future in which they'll say, oh, the deep state's a stupid conspiracy. No. That's why now the 25th Amendment is going to be what gets them all excited. Now it's just give us political power so we can remove Trump. The narrative keeps shifting. 
And I, I just wish that the Republicans would come out and do a better job of explaining to the American people, look at how crazy the left is. They're calling Trump insane. They're insane. All these different theories of why he's not really president, why he shouldn't be the president. This is just crazy talk. I, I have to say, Rand Paul has an interesting uh, interesting idea. He says they should use lie detector tests to find the op-ed writer. Play 12. I think if you have a security clearance in the White House, um, I think it would be acceptable to use a lie detector test and ask people whether or not they're uh, talking to the media against the uh, policy of the White House. You got a security clearance. You got to subject yourself to a lie detector test. Now, legally, you don't, meaning that you could say, I'm not taking that test. But guess what? Then you lose your clearance. And guess what? Then people also think, huh, won't take the lie detector test, huh? Uh, I, you know, that that would be here's what I would say about it. If you polygraphed, I mean, look, there'd be a certain degree of uh, people would get upset about this. Right. There's no question. People in the White House would get upset about this. But if you polygraph people. Which some a process I've been through. I've been polygraphed by the federal government. I can tell you all about it. It is not fun. It is not an enjoyable experience. Uh, but if you polygraph all the top people who I believe, I mean, they have to have uh, high level clearances. Well, actually, no. Jared had an interim clearance. I don't know. I, I'd have to think about. But at least you'd you'd be able to knock off a number of them right away, because anybody who wrote this editorial. Trust me, they're not going to want to take a, a poly on it uh, because it's it'd be a difficult thing, I think, to beat the polygraph on. And they'd be sweating it out really hard. And, and when if you had some people that very rapidly decide to leave the White House, well, then I think you'd know that that's somebody you might want to look a little closer at. I still believe there's no way that this was a... Um, I, I still believe that there's no way this was a household name, top-level White House official. This is somebody who's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, could be could be replaced tomorrow and nobody would know the difference. That's how I would describe it. I don't think the New York Times is so stupid as to egregiously overstate the seniority and power of the person who wrote this editorial because they would, I mean, they, they could never recover from that from a credibility perspective, although maybe they think they could. Because it's an effort to, uh, you know, do the hashtag resistance thing. The same reason why CNN and Washington Post have gotten some major stories wrong, but they hurt Trump in the short term. So their audience forgives them. So I, I you know, I, I go back and forth on whether the Times at least really believes. I mean, I would, I, but I already don't trust the Times. You know, I already think the Times is a partisan rag. And, and I think it very obviously is. And anyone who's being serious in their analysis of it analysis of it would, would come to the same conclusion uh but trump look he's 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 out there pitching folks he's out there making the case and that gives me some hope that going into these midterms because it's going to be here soon i mean we're really you know we got 60 days almost to the day what 59 days i guess right or something like that uh we got 60 days before this election happens if they win, if they take the House of Representatives, it is going to be nonstop hearings. They're going to they're going to have impeachment hearings. They're going to go through a whole investigation. They're going to dominate the news cycle with that all the time. 
They're going to start subpoenaing different people. In the world. I mean, it's just going to be a mess. And then Trump's not going to be able to get his get his agenda through, which is a victory for the left, even if they can't do anything with the impeachment. Even if they're not able to, uh, you know, they're certainly not going to be able to remove him from office. They're not going to have two thirds of senators, even if they were to get a majority in the Senate. But it will stop Trump's momentum. And then 2020 just becomes a referendum on all that. And we haven't gotten enough of the agenda through. Trump's doing a great job, but he hasn't gotten far enough yet. Uh, and I think we already look to 2020 and think, hold on a second. We, 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 need, we need these two years because, what, they're going to run Ka- uh, Kamala Harris against Trump? I don't, I don't think so. We got the end of the Kavanaugh hearings to talk about today. I wanted to get to that for a moment. So why don't we do, uh, we'll, we'll come back into that. And then I got some thoughts on the Woodward book. Uh, I want to tell you about my Omarosa interview today. I interviewed the I interviewed the founder of the Women's March, which is really just an anti-Trump left-wing lunatic fest. They're the ones that were the uh, I I don't know am I I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but uh, you know earmuffs for any of the young ones who might be listening. But the uh, vagina hats, they're the ones that wear them. You know that's. That's a thing that they do. I interviewed the founder today. It, uh, it was not cordial, but it was it was illuminating. It was interesting to sit so close to somebody who is so has so darkened her soul. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then obviously we got roll call, some other things. If you want to chat, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Uh, also, you can tweet at me, at Buck Sex. And remember, starting on Monday... We're going to release an early podcast of the Buck Sexton show every day. So we're going to start releasing it. We're going to try that for you know a few months, see how it goes. It means you'll be able to hear from me all the day's headlines, all the latest analysis and thoughts. Uh, we're trying to get it done before lunchtime is the plan. So it should be around 11 a.m., 11.30 a.m. on Monday and every day thereafter. That is our plan. We will put it into execution. And with that, my friends, we'll be right back. You got a home security system? Well, you need a better one. And if you don't have one, you need one. Simply Safe Home Security is for you, my friends. I've known these guys a long time, and they protect over 2 million people in this country. And here's what makes them so great Simply Safe is comprehensive protection for your home with round the clock professional monitoring and police dispatch. This will protect you from intruders, fires, leaks, and burst pipes. Simply Safe, I've got it set up here. Let me tell you, you don't even notice it. And when you do notice it, it's really easy and simple and streamlined. It looks good, and it's so straightforward to use. 24-7 monitoring, only $14.99 a month. No contracts or hidden fees, none. All right, everything is very intuitive. You're covered top to bottom. Check it out. Order your Simply Safe system now. Listeners to this show get free shipping and free returns. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home. Simplysafe.com slash buck. So Papadopoulos got sentenced to 14 days in prison. One four, 14 days. Uh, you know, he, he lied about his contacts with Mifsud to the FBI and they they hit him. You know, <laughs> Mueller wanted six months, six months. 
Now, was that because it was so bad what he did? No, it's because Mueller wants to just get scalps. Mueller wants to rack up as much punishment for as many people as he can to justify what he's doing. <sighs> anyway, that Papadopoulos, process crime, folks. 14 days. They've been saying, oh, Papadopoulos lied. Flynn, Flynn, I don't even think really lied, so there's that. But Papadopoulos lied and Flynn lied and Manafort. None of this has anything to do with Russia collusion. They're just, they're just finding ways to prosecute people for crap. That's what they're doing. David in Mississippi, you've been patiently on hold. I know I've been rambling. What's up, sir? Hey, Shields High, Buck. Shields High. Hey, um, so you know how you've been saying for months now that sources will be blown? Yep. So I've, I've, got, I've got some, I think, would be some delicious revenge. Trump, he should offer a one-hour exclusive to the first reporter to break the identity of the uh, all, the anonymous op-ed. And literally, the the deep state and the, the mainstream media would literally eat themselves. They would eat their young trying to destroy whoever the anonymous op-ed was. I understand your premise, but I'm not sure I would agree with the outcome because the... I think the press, I think, uh, well, no, actually, hmm. No, you know, you may be right. I'm trying to think about this, right? Because on the one hand, what is BuzzFeed and the Washington Post and the HuffPost and all these places? What do they want to out this person or not? They do from the purpose uh, from the perspective of getting the clicks and the attention and everything else. So you're right about that. But would that be seen as a betrayal of the resistance? But then again, I think the New York Times says that they have people that within the Times that are trying to find out, even though their colleagues obviously know. So, you know, that it's an interesting, you know, David, maybe, maybe it will work. I think somebody also is offering money. I think people are really there's like a bounty out there from what I saw on Twitter last night to try to get the identity of this anonymous op ed writer. So you may you may be on to something, my friend. Okay. All right, David. Shields high. Thank you for thank you for calling in. Uh Oh, who do we have, John? Our buddy Kenny up in Boston. Kenny B, what's up? Hey, what's up, Buck? How you doing? Listen, quickly, if Sessions is fired or resigns, right, then I put Rosenstein fully in charge of the DOJ, and wouldn't they try to stymie any of his uh, future uh, nominations uh, approvals? And that, that, I mean, it sounds like it's a bad thing to happen there, you know, and and what about this uh, threat to the freedom of speech? And Bob Woodward puts up this book and talking cordially with Trump on the phone. I didn't hear any threatening uh, statements from Woodward saying you know, he was threatened by Trump or anything like that. And then, of course, this op-ed thing. So I guess they dropped that, huh? Well, I mean, th- this is the thing about Trump. They keep saying Trump is so terrible to the press. Trump speaks to like Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. Or Trump is speaking to the press all the time. He just tells them that he thinks that they're full of it and that he thinks some of them are acting irresponsibly and that, yeah, he's calling me. He said the fake news, the enemy of the people. Yeah, falsehood is the enemy of the people. That's true. Right. So they, they don't their their complaints don't measure up to reality. Trump has not taken any action. Now, you know, people are saying, Buck, do you agree? They, they've asked, been asking me today. Do, do you agree with uh, him trying to get the DOJ involved in the anonymous? I, I don't think so. I don't think he's got any grounds for that. I don't think you can start investigating somebody's op-ed opinion, uh, but he hasn't actually taken any action against the First Amendment, whereas Obama did. That's what I think doesn't get enough attention, Kenny from Boston. 
Did he leave? Did Kenny Thank leave you. us? Am I speaking I'm here. myself? I'm here. Oh, all right. All right, so you like it. All right, good things, Kenny. Shield side. Thank you for calling in. Here's what uh, Trump said about Kavanaugh, by the way, last night. Important stuff. Play it. Clip six, As you all saw this week, the Senate is now considering a truly exceptional nominee for the United States Supreme Court, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. And he's doing really well. But do you believe the anger and the meanness on the other side? Sick. It's sick. The whole country has now seen his amazing intellect and his brilliant legal mind. Judge Kavanaugh deserves overwhelming bipartisan support. And I think he's going to be one of our truly great Supreme Court justices. I think so, too. I think he's going to get through. I'll talk to you more about the the insane and illogical, unfair viciousness uh, directed toward Kavanaugh in the third hour. I spoke to a leader of the Women's March who was arrested herself three times this week, folks. Three times she was arrested disrupting that hearing. I, I talked to her today. I'll tell you what that was like in the uh, third hour. So uh, stick around for that. We have... Much, much more show coming up, team. Uh, Be right back. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. What's really going on here is that Bob Woodward's book and the contents of what is in the anonymous uh, piece in the New York Times is that those closest to the president of the United States are saying we must save the country from the president of the United States. What we need here are finally, I think, some hearings on congressional hearings in which an executive session or open session, those around the president of the United States are questioned about the fitness of Donald Trump to be the president of the United States. I think we need to have a hearings about the fitness of anti-Trump lunatics to continue pushing insane conspiracies and then using the mechanisms of government and prosecutors offices and others to try and just grind down the Trump presidency based on these insane theories. How about that? How about we start to really look at what's going on here, folks? All this focus on the 25th Amendment, you know, Woodward releasing the book before the midterms. This is all calculated. Mueller's donezo. He's got nothing. Okay. Mueller's got nothing. It's not going anywhere. He's not going to be able to stop the president. He's not going to be able to prosecute the president. It, 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 that whole thing, that whole thing is gone. All right. That's all. That's that's all gone. It's, yeah, it's going to continue to peter off a little. But I mean, the notion that Mueller is going to be the white knight who saves the left from Trumpism, that's gone. All right. So now they're trying to come up with something else. We're back to this 25th Amendment thing. And you've got uh, Carl Bernstein. Sorry, I said Woodward, I think. Woodward, Bernstein, you know, tomato, tomato. I got uh, Bernstein here saying, you know, the other Watergate guy, that we need to start having hearings on Trump's fitness. So we've gone from let's have hearings on Russia collusion 
and and all these investigations and the special counsel and all this stuff and and the media just the frenzy around this has been absolutely insane. I mean, I you know if you've been pushing the Russia collusion delusion of the media, you should be ashamed of yourself. But they're not because it was useful to them. If you remember that, even though they're wrong, they don't care, right? It's like it's like Harry Reid's Mitt Romney has never paid taxes or hasn't paid taxes in ten years thing. It was a lie, but it was a useful lie. So he doesn't you know Harry Reid is saying I didn't care. Did he win? No. That's how the Democrats play the game, folks. That's how the other side acts. So we need to understand that. Now we're going to move to hearings on Trump's fitness. Come on. We're going to. How is that supposed to work exactly? You know, I I had uh, Omarosa. We had we had some a lot. We had some big guests on the on the rising show today. We had Omarosa on and I asked her straight up. I said, is the president crazy? And she said, yes. And then I said, "Okay, so you're telling me the president's you're telling me the president's crazy. How is it that we have a president who's crazy and the country is doing so well and so many of the president's initiatives and so much of his decision making has been so spot on? I need someone to explain that to me. And she said, oh, it's not doing so well. And I said, "Okay, Omarosa, well. And by the way, I should have probably pulled this audio again. It's on hill.tv slash rising. If you want to see it, um, the full interviews up there. I think it might also be on YouTube now. I said, all right, you know, I said, all right, Omarosa, you know, well, hold on a second. I mean, what, you know, let's be honest here by every. And, and then she went into the whole the usual thing. And, you know, I look, Omarosa is a very, you know, she's very engaging. She knows, how, you know, she it was she's an interesting person to talk to. No question. OK, she's somebody that's. You know, the exchange is lively. But I said, oh, well, you know, you're saying he's crazy, but the country's doing so well. She says, no, the country's not doing so well. He's divisive. He's nasty. He says things that are. And I said, that's all rhetoric, though. And, and I don't care anymore. You know, we tried Mitt Romney. We tried somebody who, yes, had all the skills and the resume, but was as, as clean as could be, right, as, as, as blameless ethically and personally as any politician you could ever find. And they trashed him, gave people cancer, binders full of women, abusing dogs, the whole thing just trashed him. Okay. So we're like, well, we're done with that. We're not, we're not going to go through that anymore. But I said, no, no. What about what happens and what matters? What about policy? What about metrics, Omarosa? And she says, well, if you, other than the economy, and I said, OK, well, that's like saying, you know, other than the play, Mrs. Lincoln, you know, what did you think? I mean, like this is the economy is, you know, if you if you include health care in the economy, it's everything. You know, it's 80 percent of what people really care about in their day to day in terms of government. You know, I don't really care. I'm not losing sleep at night based upon the, the carbon emission regulations and stuff. It just doesn't. I care a lot, although they, that affects the economy. And I know, I know. But then I said, okay, it's not just that. We're also not fighting any wars, folks. I got to say, the Bush administration anti-Trump squad is so lacking in self-reflection about what they did to the country. Yes, we got hit on 9-11. Yes, radical Islam. Now it feels like we were always going to win that fight or, you know, we always were... Uh, in a position, but you know, we didn't know. We didn't know how many more planes were going to hit. We didn't know what else they had planned. I mean, it was a scary time. It really was. We all remember it. So I give Bush credit for under, you know, for bringing the country together and and going into Afghanistan, doing the right thing. 
You know, Iraq, whether you think it was the right idea to invade, what we did once we got there, the strategy was was very flawed. Very bad decisions were made. And we had a very costly war that, you know, you look back on, a lot of people say, kind of what? The Bush people have no, you know, no self-reflection about any of that and how that's what brought Nancy Pelosi to power and gave the Democrats both house, uh, both parts of Congress uh, and and gave, you know, Barack Obama eight years to destroy the economy. Uh, but I, I, I just I never get real answers from people on this. I, I need someone to honestly tackle. So Amr and Amr said, oh, he is starting wars. Look at what he says about Kim Jong-un. I'm like, that's not. Now we're just, this is just not serious. What do you mean? What do you mean? That's, that's not starting a war. And he's trying to denuclearize a Korean peninsula, which would be the greatest foreign policy achievement if he gets there, which he's not there yet. The greatest foreign policy achievement in the post-Cold War era. So it's a big deal. But, you know, they don't, they won't have a serious talk about this. You know, how is it possible, folks? And, you know, Trump said it last night. You're going to impeach somebody? who is doing such a good job, I think that's actually a very valid point. You know, they hate Trump so much, but the country's doing really well. We're going to have hearings on whether Trump is fit to be president. When I'm sitting here and I'm like, he may be the best president of my adult lifetime. In fact, so far, I think he is the best president of my adult lifetime. And the proof is in the pudding. But meanwhile, they put people on TV to uh, to to supposedly educate us about this, like like this clown over at MSNBC. Well, actually, double clown. You got Chris Matthews and Steve Schmidt. Play clip two. Well, it could be the most powerful anonymous letter since American diplomat George Kent published power his power telegram outlining the Cold War strategy power of containment. Strategy. But rather than attempting to contain a foreign yeah, power, yeah. the author in this case makes clear that the objective now is to contain the worst impulses is, of a the worst U.S. Of president. And so the first thing I'd like to say as someone in the resistance on the outside is thank you, and it is nice to hear from you. But it is not enough. We are in an hour of national emergency in this country. We know that this administration is vile, corrupt, and likely criminal. We know that this president is immoral, that he is mentally and intellectually unfit for his office. And this vile, immoral, corrupt, indecent dangerous, intellectually unfit president is a danger to all of us. Danger to all of us with the words unfit, vile, immoral, corrupt. Oh, gosh. I mean, a, a danger to all of us. What, we're all, we're all in danger of, of being able to, to pay our bills and, you know, millennials will be in danger of maybe being able to own property one day. Is that what we're in danger of? Because that's what it feels like. Uh, we're, we're all in danger of not having the government just turn us upside down and empty out our pockets all the time because hashtag social justice. Uh, you know, these, these people keep calling Trump a danger. And then they talk about a bunch of things that don't sound dangerous at all to me. They use all these words. There's all this rhetoric. And then I say, OK, make me care. There's the word. What do you mean? OK, Trump, you know, the Nazis and 25th Amendment and Russia collusion. No. No, that doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. That that you, that has not convinced me one bit. 
Tell me why I need to care about all these crazy allegations you're making. I mean, they're saying we need to have hearings on Trump's fitness to be president. What does it say if he let's let's assume for a second he was, you know, I don't know, he, he was suffering from some kind of you know, bipolar disorder or something. I don't know. He had some clinical issue. He's still doing a great job. So you know, what does that mean? I mean, let's just say we found out that Trump is taking, you know, a pretty hefty dose of Prozac every day and he's, you know, dealing with some mental health issues. He's doing a great job. What's the problem? I mean, the 25th Amendment is for if Trump had a stroke or if he's senile. It's not for, you know, he said crass things about women 20 years ago. And people who can't understand that, I think they're the crazy ones. That's what they don't get. I think they're the ones with some big issues. Oy, it's really just, folks, it is just nuts. Absolutely nuts, the stuff that they're saying. But we have to sit here and act, and act like these are the, you know, these are the, the, this is the political wise men class of the country. Except for Chris Matthews. I don't know, Chris Matthews, what? How does this guy still have a show? He's loud. He makes dumb points. He has no expertise. He's just been around a long time and must be friends with Andy Lack over at MSNBC. Doesn't know anything. This guy is not impressive. I don't want to listen to him. I don't want to hear him. I, you know, whew. at least the ABC News guy is super handsome. You know, Chris Matthews. I'm like, what is this? What is it with this guy? Oh, anyway, um, but the good news is that Trump is still going to smack them all around. So not literally. We'll be right back. The so-called resistance is angry because their horrible ideas have been rejected by the American people. And it's driving them crazy. 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 They're the ones, honestly, that have been driven crazy. The latest act of resistance is the op-ed published in the failing New York Times by an anomalous, really an anomalous, gutless coward. You just look. He was, uh, nobody knows who the hell he is or she, although they put he, but probably that's a little disguised. That means it's she. But for the sake of our national security, the New York Times should publish his name at once. I think their reporters should go and investigate who it is. That would actually be a good school. So Trump, you know, was was in fuego last night uh, out in Montana. And and I just have to note this guy. I'm not trying to look. I'm not a throne shiner. I don't sit here and just talk about how everything Trump does is perfect. I, I I I would say a lot of things differently and deal with a lot of things differently. But, you know, I, I give credit where it's due. And, and the guy, look, the guy's a political phenomenon. And then he stands up and gives these hour and a half long. I mean, folks, one of the things about Obama stepping up today to give his speech was, oh, my gosh, do we have to go back to this? Do we have to go back to this very sterile, haughty? I don't just mean Obama, although he's really a, a very clear example of this but essentially bs political talk you know where you're, you're just they're trying so hard to sound authoritative and smart and 
democracy and America and values and flag and, you know, just just settle down. Talk to us like normal people. I, I really mean this. I don't want to go back to a world where politicians or where in this case where, where the president is going to speak to us like we're a bunch of school children that need him or her to tell us it's all going to be OK. It's all going to be OK. Just listen to me and it will all be OK. I, I, I don't need that. I don't want that. I like having a president who speaks to us the way the way a human being actually speaks. And Trump is incredible. He gets up at these rallies. Everybody around him is so, you know, there's so much energy and there's so much uh, enthusiasm and people. People just love what he's doing. And he goes off the cuff. He talks about dozens and dozens of. Uh, of issues off the cuff and I don't know any other politician who can do it the way that he does I mean, the guy is incredible by the way I don't know how many of you saw there's this plaid shirt guy uh, is apparently a meme now because of his reactions in the background to uh, to what is he doing uh, interesting plaid shirt guy is a meme um, he had to move. All right. Anyway, Trump is amazing. Plaid shirt guy was behind Trump at the rally. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, Trump is amazing, and and yeah, you know, I saw some people jump on him because he said a mom and a or something. You know, he he stumbled on a word. I sit here, I do radio three hours every night. I will be honest with you, there are very few people in the media that have greater comfort with words and speaking than me. Very few of them, and I say that as somebody who had a speech impediment. And had to get speech therapy and everything else. So I, I've trust me, I've been on both sides of this. But I, what Trump does is unbelievable. And I sit here and I tell you, I, I mess up words sometimes. And they're going to call him out for that. They're not going to, you know, you know what, folks, I, I just, if nothing else, I hope that Trump has set a precedent now where politicians will get up and just talk to people. Tell people what you think and tell them things. Don't stick right off a prompter. I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to tell you things to prove how brilliant I am. And if you listen to me, things will be great. If you don't, things will be terrible. I, we don't need that. I don't want to go back to that kind. Of, people keep talking about Trump's rhetoric and the discourse, and he's he's so coarse. I, give me coarse but earnest over overly polished and sterile and fake. It's just fake. I don't want fake. I mean, I, I I want you know the next the next Republican contender. I want him to get up there and and take the Trump approach. Roll up the sleeves and talk to people. Tell them what you want to do. Tell them what you stand for. Tell them what you believe. You know, don't always just turn around. And look for the political consultants. Speaking of which, we had the uh, organizer of the Women's March on my show. I'm going to tell you what I think about that in just a moment. Do you really believe in free speech? Do you want to share your thoughts? And not have to worry about some uh, left-wing administrator somewhere, some so-called algorithm run by a bunch of Bernie Sanders voting Prius drivers determining what you can and can't post, who you can speak to, and what you see. If you want to enter the new world of social media, friends, Snippy.com is for you. Snippy.com is a place where discussion is valued and your opinion matters. I'm on Snippy.com. Let me tell you, there is nobody on there that's enforcing any agenda. There's no censorship ever. 
Step out of the Facebook left-wing echo chamber for a moment and check out snippy.com today. It'll let you follow your favorite writers. You can check out the news feed and see what's trending. It's totally free to join, folks. Snippy.com or download the app. Let's get the discussion rolling. Let's really exchange ideas, share thoughts, and connect with like-minded people without any left-wing bias. Snippy.com. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. I'm tired of the Republican Party bullying women when it comes to their right to choose. The Republican Party's the party of life. Women are using coat hangers. They kill people for a living there. Since 2010, 300 abortion restrictions have been passed in this country. Many people are unaware of how restricted abortion has become. The legislative priority needs to be something that will stop abortions. One in four women will have an abortion in their life. And when I think about how politicized this has become, I wonder, how did this happen? It's the basis of democracy that you control your own body. The basis of democracy. Uh, folks, that's from a new Netflix movie. And as you know, look, Netflix is a is now increasingly becoming a, a left wing outfit, just like all all you know, they they have total dominance in the cultural space when it comes to Hollywood. And it's it's near complete. Uh, the left gets to control what movies are made, who who gets a platform, who gets funding, all of it. That was Gloria Steinem at the end. They're saying that abortion is the basis of democracy. And, and you know, th- that's really also at the at the heart of why the anti-Kavanaugh protesters were, were such a bunch of straight up maniacs this past week. And for those of you who uh, didn't have a chance to see it, which I'm assuming is most of you today on on uh, on Hill TV, I think we're going to stop calling it Hill TV. It sounds like we're you know, not hip, you know, yeah, it's, it's hill.tv. That's why you write it, but hill TV, uh, we had on, uh, somebody who was, uh, her name is Bob Bland and she's one of the founders of the women's March, which is this movement that gets, uh, women to get together and, uh, they, you know, they will march through the streets and they will wear pink anatomically suggestive hats on their heads and they dress in handmaid's costumes and all this stuff. And, and, you know, the, the women's march is, is inherently also an anti-Trump march. That's how this goes. And the same uh, media figures uh, and news media figures and pop culture news, uh, pop culture media uh, who were silent about Bill Clinton's sexual habits and proclivities uh, want us to believe that all of a sudden now they've become particularly prudish when it comes to anything Donald Trump related, you know, Donald Trump is so terrible for, uh, for terrible, uh, terrible for women. And, and so I sat down and, and talked to, to Bob Bland today and I, I'll be honest with you, it was tough. I mean, it was tough because there are certain people who I think are, uh, misguided, but fundamentally decent. And then I think there are people who are just honestly damaging to the country and people who are abortion extremists are, are damaging to the country and are, I think, engaged in a in a great evil. Um, and and I know that there are there are 
areas of dispute on this issue. And there's, am I, you know, and I, I talk about this probably to my own, uh, at my own peril in the sense that people generally, especially I think late on a Friday, they, they, they don't want to hear a discussion about abortion, right? They, they probably want to hear some guy who's going to come on here and talk about, you know, the, the big game or something. And I'm not putting that down. People need escape. I need escape. As soon as I'm done with this show, I'm, I'm going to pl- plop myself down and I was going to say plump myself down. I think that was Freudian. I'm going to plop myself down and uh, order some, order some uh, Korean food, actually, I think is what I'm planning tonight, and watch some Netflix. But I also think that I have an obligation to tell you about things that, that really do matter. And it, it's, it's been disheartening to see this week just how brainwashed a lot of women are and it is mostly women that are that are the true radicals on this issue. You know, there are men who will talk about it, but they because of the uh, the way that the feminists have positioned the issue, you know, they've tried to silence pro-life voices that are male by saying we, we're not allowed to have any say. And so you really have the, the radicals are leftist females on abortion. I'm not saying there aren't men who are radical, too, but but generally the loudest voices on this are are uh, are female and so i spoke to bob bland today and and uh, uh she comes out and says that kavanaugh uh, that that kavanaugh is, well first of all before i get to the kavanaugh part she says that if kavanaugh is elected millions of women will die and you know this is one of the first i i have my limits and i'm sitting there on tv and i have a i have a very uh progressive co-host as you all know it's not a it is a delicate dance that I have to do every day. No one else does this, folks. It's not. And maybe there's a reason why, because it's, it's almost impossible to do. No one else does what I do with Crystal every day on that show. It just doesn't exist anywhere else in media right now uh, where you have a real conservative and a real progressive who are trying to discuss things without with the understanding that we're not going to make fun of each other and we're not going to try to we're going to exchange ideas and information without attempting to win every argument because when you attempt to win an argument over abortion in 60 seconds you just yell at each other it just turns into it just turns into nothing so you know we're, we're operating on this it's a tightrope act and in some ways i guess it's very interesting but in others it can be tough and today was one of the tough days because the founder of the women's march and you can go not that i'm trying to now i am i guess pitching the show but uh, you can go to to hill.tv slash rising and, and watch it for yourself uh, I, I, I had to, I had to enforce a boundary with Bob because Bob got out of line at one point, uh, but she said that millions of people will die. And, and I'm sitting here, I'm thinking this is, this is really a, a form of evil to suggest that millions of women will die because of Brett Kavanaugh, who's, as we've seen this week, brilliant, honorable, decent, kind, uh, uh you know, he, he's everything that we want in an, in a neighbor, in a friend in an American and they've been trying to trash this guy in every possible way that they can. And what I see, uh, or when she says that millions of people, millions of women will die, what she's saying is that because of botched abortions, they're all, they're going to die uh, over this issue. Um, one, that's a wild overstatement of the facts, meaning that even uh, when you look at the number of, of women who die because of abortion related or abortion or you know, related complications from it, before it was legal, it, it's uh, you're looking at a, a couple, they estimate a couple of hundred a year. Uh, and I would just also note it's incredibly sad that anybody would put their life in jeopardy in that way to 
end another life. I mean, it's 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 a deep the 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 depth of that despair is really hard to fathom. Uh, but millions of people are killed because of abortion and have been killed because it's not a theoretical. It's going on still and it has gone on in the past. And and I I, I have one of these moments where, you know, you how, how do you try to be civil and and win an argument with somebody who not only is arguing in favor of murder, but in arguing in favor of murder is claiming that somebody who would stop the murder is the actual murderer. In this case, the theoretical proposition that Kavanaugh would be a part of of uh, not even eliminating really abortion, just truncating it by overturning. Uh, it would really be Planned Parenthood v. Casey, but the the left doesn't. They don't actually read these things. They don't know anything. Uh, and that that was a it was a quite a moment, folks. I. I I tried not to do what I, you know, I, I had an inclination to just say, so you're saying there's going to be murders, but you're advocating murder. But then it would have just been, it would have just been like rolling a stick of dynamite out onto the table of the TV show. And I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. And it, it's, I can't help but notice, I don't know if it picked up, but there's thunder and lightning going on here in DC. And that might've actually made its way over the radio waves. It's, it's kind of, fitting that lightning and thunder is happening as I'm talking about this. Uh, so, and, and then it just devolved a little bit more from there. They said, uh, or, or Bob Bland of the Women's March said that Kavanaugh believes that all, all uh, birth control is, is, is abortion. And I just said, that's, uh, he didn't, he, no one says that. Like, no one says that a condom is the same as an abortion. There's just, I, I don't know. People say that it's immoral to use, but they don't say it's the same as an abortion. That's not that would be unscientific and unsound. I mean, using a condom is not the same as an abortion, right? No one, no one that I know makes that claim. They make you know, Catholics don't believe in contraception. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the doctrine, but they, you know, they don't say that a condom is an abortion. Um, and, and they, this was the claim that the women's March, this is all she's supposed to care about. And she made this claim. And, and I said, I really don't, this is just not, I, I don't know what to say to you. This is not what happened. And, uh, you know, sure enough, we just kind of got into a squabble about what was really said or not said. But then I just love I ask, you know, well, how is this guy such an extremist when 97 senators voted for him to be on the D.C. Court of Appeals? None of them had a problem with him then. Now they all have a problem with him. No answer. I mean, not even the not even a, a smidgen of an answer. Uh, and you know, and then all this stuff about just the all this language they use about women and autonomy and the body. And it's like if if you really think that you are a you are a slave to the state or something if you really think that you aren't free unless you have a medical right for what is often a taxpayer funded uh crushing of a tiny fetus and dismembering of it i, I don't know your 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 soul has been has been corrupted in in a really profound way and it's it's hard to, you know i'm not arguing with somebody here over the to, over what the top tax rate should be that I know how to do. I'm not arguing with somebody over, you know, the, the morality of, of, of particular military action or, you know, that's complicated, too. but that I know how to do. But somebody who thinks that murder is life and life is murder is very hard to have a civil conversation with. And what having this discussion with the, the founder of the Women's March, what it did was 
just uh, highlight this for me. And this is not a thoughtful person. This is not a, a kind person. This is a radical. And and really, the the synapses in her brain seem to me to be similar to what you'd be dealing with with somebody who, you know, uh, believes that, uh, you know, kufar non-believers should be killed. You know, an Islamic radical believes that, right? That you're you, you can be your throat can be slit like cattle if you're a kufar. I mean, it's so outside your perception of what is moral and ethical and right that h- how do you even start to pull somebody back from that? So while I, I have done my fair share, and I think, it's, oh, and I also said, what do you think about the people dressed as condoms and Handmaid's Tale, uh, you know, women and all this stuff? And she said, well, I don't know about that. She said, well, now you're just a liar. Now you're just making a fool of yourself. You're just a liar. So in, enjoy your lies. Uh, be on TV. Enjoy your lies. But, you know, it was, I mean, it almost, it felt, felt dirty afterwards, just being the same. Robot. And I've been around a lot of bad people in the media business, you know. I worked at CNN, folks, but today was was really something else. Uh, but while I mock them and their stupid costumes and their their obvious political ignorance and uh, the idiocy that's often on display, it, it was also um, it was discouraging. It's discouraging that in this country, in this time, when so much is going well and so much is going right, we, we have this great stain on the moral character of this country. And not only is it there, but we have people who will go to any lengths to defend it. And that is troubling because when that has been the case in the past, it has led us to very dark places. All right, uh, we'll be right back. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned and American-made. Folks, this is one of the hottest energy products on the market right now, and it was developed by veterans for one simple reason. The fight will always follow you, and it waits for no one. Look, I invite you to join us this fall in giving back to America's troops with Strikeforce's help. Over the last three years, Strikeforce Energy has shipped millions of packets of this proven battlefield liquid to troops at home and abroad, and now they're going to bring it directly to your front door. It comes in four flavors, zero sugar, zero calories for fuel to power through your toughest fight. Just add some Strike Force to 16 to 20 ounces of water, tea, lemonade, whatever you got. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and receive 50% off when you use the promo code BUCK at checkout. For every packet you buy, we will donate a packet to military members around the globe. StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code BUCK at checkout. Strike Force Energy is fuel for the fight. You know, the book isn't out, but we did read a long uh, excerpt or a summary of it in the, in, in the paper earlier this week, and it described one of the meetings that I know I was in. And it was sort of half accurate and half wrong. It described the president being very concerned about strategy in Afghanistan and talking about going to Walter Reed and seeing soldiers who had lost limbs in Afghanistan. And really, the president was pressing his commanders very hard, saying, what are we doing there? This is America's longest war. What are we accomplishing? Our guys are dying. They're coming home without arms, without legs. I want a very clear justification before I agree to anything. Now. The, in the story, that's spun as very negative, as, you know, the president ranting and raving. Well, I was in that meeting, and the, what I saw was the president 
asking the questions that I think every American wants their president to ask. If we're going to commit troops to battle, if we're going to risk our soldiers' lives, there ought to be a very good reason. There ought to be a clear strategy. There ought to be an objective. And, and you know, he was pressing his commanders to, to give him that information, which I think is his job. And he had every right to do it. And that's what we want him to do. There's BS in the Woodward book, folks. Not a surprise. You see, Woodward's sourcing is very exact, but his sources are not very exact. What I mean by that is that he will take information that is given to him from people who have access to the information and rely on them to be the arbiter of what was said, how it was said. And you had Michael Anton there, who was the NSC spokesperson um, and is a is an eloquent, if uh, self-satisfied fellow. Um, but he was in that meeting and he says that it's it's not accurate with the way that Woodward writes about that excerpt in the book. But beyond that, folks, I, I think this shows us once again what we are up against. The war in Afghanistan is not being won. We, we are barely we, we're treading water and the water is the seas are getting rougher around us all the time. And we're just trying to tread water. There is no possibility of the of a of a victory in Afghanistan defined along the terms of a self-sustaining, self-defensible, uh, pluralistic democracy in Afghanistan, which is which is really how we have defined it. I mean, they've changed it a little bit here and there. It's just not happening. And the fact that Trump comes in and says, we've got people who are losing arms. We have got people who aren't even coming back at all. What are we doing there? And the media takes that as an opportunity. In this case, Woodward, whether intentionally or just the other people relaying the information to him, take this as a moment to say that Trump is some kind of, you know, he's some kind of maniac, that he, he can't be trusted, and that he's, you know, um, the, the, the fact that he would go to, uh, that, that people would go to those lengths to try to undermine his message there just shows you that, you know, they really don't care that much about the troops, folks. You know, this is something, you know, Democrats put on a put on a big, a big uh, show of this recently with, you know, John McCain and how much they respect his service and everything. But if it's between trashing Trump and leaving our soldiers high and dry, a lot of powerful leftists in this country go with with choice number one. A lot of Democrats in Congress go with choice number one do not be fooled do not let them uh, mislead you on this you know they talk this big game but when push comes to shove democrats care a whole heck of a lot about power and about in this case getting power back in their hands and if that means that they have to undermine a discussion that's completely valid where the commander-in-chief is saying what the heck are we doing in afghanistan they're willing to do that and I think that should be very that should be very troubling to all of us. And I I'm going to well, I can't say yet. I mean, I think I've got an interview next week where I'll be talking to somebody about Afghanistan. That will be uh, big. Uh, we're going to break some some serious news next week on Afghanistan. I hope uh, talk to somebody who has a plan for fixing Afghanistan or at least fixing our role. I should say fixing our role in Afghanistan. I don't know if Afghanistan is fixable, Um but you know, we, I, I want our I want our troops home, and you know, my generation, those of us who 
either on the military or the civilian side, whether you're a, you know, a door-kicking Marine or a State Department provincial reconstruction team guy or whatever, we've seen what it is to try to remake other countries and, and in the Muslim world. And you know what? We've learned a lesson. We're done with it. Never again. Never again. All right, let's, let's loosen it up. Let's get into roll call here. I'll be right back. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call. Hey, hope you guys are all going to have a great... That sounded almost like I was doing a imitation of a radio show for a second. Hey, hey, it's Wild Bill on the radio, coming to you from WKKRTNTY. Uh, I could do a whole show like that sometime. It'd be kind of fun, actually. Go for all, go for all that good stuff. Um, let's get to it, shall we? Matthew, this is the roll call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Starting on Monday, the uh, show is going to be earlier, folks, in terms of podcasts, not in terms of the radio show. Radio show, sh- uh, radio show stays the same, but we're going to get the podcast out hopefully before lunchtime every day. So we're going to do a daily podcast of the show in advance of the radio show. So it'll just be uh, top line thoughts, rundown of the news of the day, that kind of stuff. We'll see how that goes. You know, we're experimenting with the best ways to organize the hut. All righty. Matthew writes, Shields high, brother. Thank you for asking the tough questions. The interview with Bob Bland was hard to watch. Great hearing you asking the hard questions. She, she seems like a far left loon. Keep up the amazing work and the team at the you and the team of the hot produce. We need you out there. Well, Matthew, uh, thank you very much. You know, it's, it's hard, folks. And I, I've heard from a lot of you about this. I have signed up to do a show that is based upon the, the premise is that the left and the right can speak and not agree, but can speak about things without yelling at each other. That's the premise of the show. And um, it's not easy for me. I'm sure in some sometimes, depending on the guests, I mean, I'm always cordial and charming and fun, but depending on the guest, it's not always necessarily that easy for my co-host. But as I've said, I mean, the Women's March founder uh, was, uh, she was, she was pretty crazy. And, and I, I, I would very rarely, I mean, for me to have to take the tone that I did in that interview, and I didn't raise my voice or, or get, uh, well, maybe I raised my voice a little bit, but I didn't yell or get personal, but it was only in response to just, I mean, it was just, it was gross, the whole thing. I mean, there's so much that was said that was not true, uh, no answers to very legitimate questions. And it's because the, the left is, is overtaken by emotions on these things. And that's why they'll say insane stuff like millions of women will die if Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court. That's just that's something that's so stupid to say out loud that a person, a normal person, should be deeply embarrassed to say that. Um, And and that's, you know, I I did I did as well as I could today with the uh, Bob Bland interview. Bob's a woman, for those who don't know, uh, Bob Bland interview um, under the circumstances. And I appreciate that you uh, write in about it, Matthew, because it wasn't 
it, it, it felt uh, gross to have to sit there and, and listen to some of that stuff. And if I, you know, some of you would probably say, Buck, why don't you just, you know, own the lib, crush the enemy, all that stuff. You know, then my co-host is going to be, she's going to feel like she has to defend the person and, and it's going to, I'm working within a, a different dynamic there. That's why I tell you all, you know, listen to this radio. This is me. This is where I just get to tell you whatever I want. I don't have to worry about being polite here. Uh, with the Hill, I, I have to maintain a certain decorum uh, because it's that is the agreement of the show, right? It's kind of like I'm sitting at a debate and we've agreed to equal time. Well, if we've agreed to equal time, I can't, you know, run roughshod on the other person and interrupt them and all that stuff, even if they're lying or saying stuff that I don't like. You know what I mean? That's kind of where it is. All right. Jar writes. Um, what else did he wait? Hold on a second. Two things. I'm a couple days behind. So I'm sure somebody has answered the grave danger is a few good men. Correct, Jar. And two, you said you're going to start throwing out quotes and just seeing if people catch them. Saying there's a quote for you doesn't allow that. I think that you, the fact that you changed your inflection and gave two lines should have been more than enough to, to uh, tip the hat that there was a quote to be called on Shields High. Okay, Jar. All right, buddy. You know, you want you and the rest of the team going to put on their big boy pants when it comes to quotes? We'll, we'll see how this goes then. I'm just going to start slipping them. I'm not going to say that was a movie quote. You might just be like, why did he say that weird thing? Or maybe you don't notice it at all. You guys, okay, we're, we're taking the training wheels off now. The quotes are just going to get slipped into the show. And we'll see We'll see who can pick it up, pick it out. All right. You, you ask for it, Joe. You want it, you're going to get it. You want it, you're going to get it. Uh, let's get Amy, who writes, question. When do the actions of the deep state rise to the level of sedition? What is the difference between sedition and treason? Do either apply in the case of our governmental situation? I don't think I can hear uh, about John Kerry getting shot in the butt again. He needs to retire. Um, Well, you know, sedition has actually a very, uh, a very dark history in our country in the sense that it is it is technically conduct that or, or speech that would bring people to rebel against the state. Uh, so it's you know, if, if you try to conspiracy to overthrow the government would still be a crime. But but sedition in our history goes back to the Alien and Sedition Acts. And, and people people forget this in this country, folks. In the early 1800s, there were some folks who were who were locked up just for having policies that were unpopular. I mean, journalists were locked up for having policies that were unpopular with the government at the time uh, because of the Alien and Sedition Acts. Uh, and and that was, let's just say that we, we have veered from the First Amendment in pretty dramatic fashion at numerous times in our past. And uh, the Alien and Sedition Acts are certainly a an example of that. So uh, sedition isn't something that anyone's going to get in trouble for right now. I, I don't even think sedition, I'd have to check. I don't think sedition is part of the uh, federal criminal code. Uh, I think that, yeah, I don't think that it is. So there's that. Uh, let's see what we have next here in roll call. Actually, wait, hold on. Let me let me check that. I don't I don't want to tell you guys bad information. Uh, is sedition a crime in the U.S.? I, you know, I can do this in real time. Brandenburg v. Ohio Supreme Court case maintains it's seditious speech, including. Yeah, no, it's not a crime. There you go. Uh, but you 18 U.S. Code chapter tre- uh, treason, sedition and subversive activities. 
Well, uh, seditious conspiracy. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I mean, it depends on how you define sedition, folks. Seditious conspiracy under 18 U.S.C. 2384. If two or more persons in any state or territory conspire, yeah, this is what I said, conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them, uh, then that's seditious conspiracy, 20 years in prison. Yeah, that's so, so seditious conspiracy, if, if, you're, if you're conspiring to take, act, to take action against the government, that can be a crime. But just to say you hate the government, uh, I th- and just to say that you wish the government would collapse, uh, I, I do not think that, I don't, I don't think you're going to, you know, you're allowed to say that. Uh, Brandenburg, Ohio, v. Ohio, uh, the, the uh, seditious, seditious speech is allowed. So that, that was interesting, actually. I didn't think we were going to get so deep into that one, and we, and we did. We, uh, we did dive into that one quite a bit. Bart. Our buddy Bart from South Carolina, he's always, he's not afraid of, Bart ain't afraid of no ghost. Uh, Buck, the type of hysteria that sprung up because of the anonymous op-ed and calling for the 25th is well known to me personally. Circa 1990 or 91, I was a high school delegate to a regional model UN representing the United States on the Security Council. After a long heated debate, well, we're talking about your UN Security Council, I mean your UN model UN thing? Uh, okay. I'm going to let this one go for now, Bart. Bart, Bart, this got a little long, and I'm going to read it, but I don't have time to read it on air. Larry writes, Buck, shields high. I am a political junkie and subscribe to several podcasts, but yours is still my favorite. Well, Larry, you're my favorite. I have noticed that the volume on your podcast has gotten lower recently. Could you please check on that? Is that right, John? Are our podcast volumes lower? What's going on? John... Did, did you order the code red? Uh, also, one little nitpick. You frequently refer to the Democratic Party when technically it is the, Democra- uh, the Democrat Party. Keep up the good work, Larry. Well, Larry, actually, I'll tell you something, buddy. Uh, technically, it's the Democratic Party. <laughs> it's, I actually try to call it the Democrat Party as a little uh, shorthand, a little bit of a, an extended solitary finger, if you will. But uh, they, they call themselves the it is the Democratic Party. It is not actually called the Democrat Party. Uh, so I thought it was uh, worth uh, addressing that one. I don't know if you guys... John, are you here? I mean, we have a super loud New York, New York truck driving past the building right now. I have no idea what that's all about. I mean, are they really... Can you hear that? Oh, okay. I mean, New York, New York. I mean, the whole thing, right? I can hear it. It's coming through this. It's coming through, coming through the studio here. But anyway, uh, they're trying to get me all excited about New York. I won't. You won't break me. I've been, I'm in the swamp for now, New York. I miss you. You stay alive no matter what occurs. I will find you, New York, no matter how, how long it takes, no matter how far. Uh, all right, we're going to hit a quick break. We'll be right back. call we have adam writes live by the sword die by the sword is biblical matthew 26 52 i i mean i i thought it must be biblical but i was not 
Uh, let me see what it says here. Bible Gateway. I, I didn't. John, did you know that? I, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Okay. I mean, it's close. It's not exactly. So it's not an exact one. But yeah, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Um, so it's a kind of it's a close approximation. You're, you're correct, Adam. Uh, Brian writes, LOL on rising. Well done, sir. He's such an extremist. I want to know why I can't answer that. Women's March leader. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yeah, no, it, it got it got uh, it got pretty wild in there. Um, it, it was it was not good from from the that's folks. It was the co-founder of the Women's March with the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and the and the, you know, the women's genitalia hats and all that stuff. We had her in studio. I asked her very straightforward, very. I mean, when I say fair. You know, legit questions, not gotcha questions. Just, okay, you're saying crazy stuff. Explain to me the crazy that you're saying. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's such an extremist. I want to know why. I can't answer that. Yeah, uh, that that's that's right. <laughs> I think she. It was it was a if you folks if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's kind of hard to watch because it's it's so. There's also a lot of there's a whole just as I was saying there's all dishonest premise that gets thrown in the middle and I'm being told something that's just flatly not true and, and I, I'm kind of thrown off by how wrong it is and Oy. Jason writes heard the podcast slam of the firebird ouch I got an 89 a lot of fun if you don't mind rolling without airbags or most of the electronics did I make fun of firebirds on the uh, podcast I don't remember that somebody must have uh, Judy writes Buck what happened to your web page uh, right now I'm getting an error message uh, Judy, we are doing maintenance and some work on BuckSexon.com because we're going to make it better than ever. It's coming back. So uh, sorry about that, but we're on it. We are on it. Um, Rob says, great call about Blumenthal being a human, uh, funeral home director. Shields high. You know what I mean, guys? He really does seem like, do you want to purchase a mausoleum or perhaps three of our finest burial plots he's just so like ugh. he's so gross blooming who votes for that guy who votes for that guy that's what i want to know uh karen writes buck i think you should have called your new show buck naked uh i don't know about that karen i feel like that might be false advertising because there's no nudity so how can I call it, right? And I don't think John wants to work on a show called Buck Naked, right? Producer John, that's... Oh, John likes it. All right, there you go. That's because you know me, but I feel like if we were hiring you and it's like, you're going to work on a show called Buck Naked. Uh, actually, no, that does sound fun. Now that I think about it, you know? It's definitely worth checking out. Um, so uh, what do we have here? Next up, we have Dale who writes... Uh, movie quote, you ever look across a lake and wonder what's buried beneath it? That's about as buried as you can get. Dale, I have no idea what that movie is. Action movie quote, do you ever look over a lake and think about something? Oh, that's, wait, that's the same quote. Oh, it repeated. Sorry. <laughs> I think you said, I think you double sent your message there, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I still don't know the quote. So you got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that doesn't sound like an action movie to me. It sounds like. A movie with a bunch of British people sitting around rearranging matches. Oh, is that right? I'm arranging matches. 
Oh, 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 hello. You guys remember Eddie? Eddie Izzard is a weird dude, but he actually had a pretty some pretty funny things. Uh, he actually did some pretty funny uh, comedy back in the day. Michael writes, no, please don't cover Russiagate more. Can't stand to hear it until something happens like McCabe today. All right, Michael, oh, that's good to know. And I definitely want more. Uh, I want more folks to weigh in on content that they either want more of or that they could do uh, with less of on the show. Just understand that, you know, if, if, if I get one person writes me that says I want less Russia and 10 that say they want more, you know, the Freedom Hut is 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 a uh, well, I guess it's actually a republic, right? Because I'm kind of elected to, to run the show. But uh, you, you all you all get a vote. But no one person in the voting process gets to determine it just because sometimes people send me things. I told you about this. I said, yeah, but you know, you don't like the accents, but a hundred other people do. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the maximum number of the team happy here. Uh, Justin writes, Oh my God, Buck, you've never seen Smokey and the bandit. You must watch it. Or we're going to have to temporarily suspend your man card. All right, Justin. All right. Smokey and the bandit. I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, I know I should have seen that one. Andrew writes, your show really shook the pillars of heaven. OSS, but a first-time messenger caller. Amazing show. Thank you so much, Andrew. Wanted to give a shout-out to a problem you caused me recently. The other day, I received an almost full notification on my iPhone 10. I was curious because I don't download a lot of stuff, and then I realized I've got 15 gigs of Buck Sexton podcast downloaded. I listen every day. Keep up the good work. It's all in the reflexes. Andrew. Well, Andrew, you're super OSS, my man. And your phone just can't handle all this awesome, baby. So thank you so much for uh, writing, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, Great to be with you. I'll see you on Monday. Shields high. If you're a business and you're hiring, folks, you want to make sure the people you're bringing in are representing themselves accurately, that you don't have any liabilities or any problems because of people with a record that they falsified, criminal record even possibly. You need people you can trust who are efficient, who will do the background checks and investigating for you. That's Global Verification Network. I can personally vouch for the CEO, Mark Buckman. Global Verification is his company and his team of risk mitigation experts are the best in the business. Whenever I've got a problem, folks, I'm like, hey, Mark, you got to be the guy that can answer this. And he gives fantastic advice. He knows this business backwards and forwards. He's the guy you want to go to. He'll work with startups all the way to Fortune 100 companies. No data or client information they take is ever offshore. Call 877-695-1179. Tell them Buck Sexton sent you. 877-695-1179. Or go to mygvn.com. That's mygvn.com.